Welcome, it's indisputable. I'm your host, Rashad Richard, good to be with you. We have a lot on the agenda today. Breaking down news of the day, the big homie. We have Wozni Lumbre. He is going to be a fascinating analyst. TYT contributor, superstar all around. First story of the day, Mickey Mouse keeps kicking Ron DeSantis ass over and over again. $1 billion leaving the state of Florida because of one man and his political mission. All right, let's put him up for a mask. Now remember, it was Ron DeSantis who said he is the business champion for Florida. As a matter of fact, when he launches his presidential campaign, he's going to say he can bring America back and economy will be primary to that proclamation. However, in March, Disney called Governor Ron DeSantis of Florida anti-business for his scorched earth attempt to tighten oversight of the company's theme park near Orlando. Last month, when Disney sued the governor and his allies for what it called a targeted campaign of government retaliation, the company made clear that a $17 billion in planned investment opportunity in Walt Disney World was on the line. So let's be very clear about the rules here. Conservatives typically will wax poetic about how Twitter is violating their constitutional rights. As a matter of fact, President Donald Trump, former President of the United States, filed a lawsuit against a private company because he could not adhere to the rules he signed to be a user on the platform. So they have been claiming this is in fact a violation of free speech because they are deplatforming us for the irony of what happened in Florida. Disney says something contrary to the political belief of Ron DeSantis. Governor DeSantis decides to utilize the awesome power of government to penalize said company. Well, that is actually a constitutional violation. That is government creating a restriction and prohibition by way of penalty to your protected speech. Aren't they the ones who said companies are people? There's more. All right, does the state want us to invest more, employ more people and pay more taxes or not? Disney's chief executive (coughs) said this on an earnings related conference call with analysts last week. On Thursday, Mr. Iger and Josh D'Amaro, Disney's theme park and consumer products chairman, showed that they were not bluffing. Pulling the plug on an office complex that was scheduled for construction in Orlando at a cost of roughly 1 billion. It would have brought more than 2000 Disney jobs to the region with an average salary of $120,000 a year. That's according to an estimate from the Florida Department of Economic Opportunity. The project near Lake Nona Town Center was supposed to cost $864 million, but recent price estimates have been closer to $1.3 billion. Disney had planned to relocate as many as 2,000 employees from Southern California, including most of a department known as Imagineering, which works with Disney movies to develop theme park attractions. 
Most of the affected employees complained bitterly about having to move. Some quit, but Disney held firm. Partly because of Florida tax credit that would have allowed the company to recoup as much as 570 million over 20 years for building and occupying the complex. That has been the great attraction for the state of Florida for decades. As a matter of fact, individuals retire to Florida because of rules in reference to taxation and also rules connected to garnishment. So they go to Florida in order to affix rules that are a little different than everyone else. So Florida officials have repeatedly, repeatedly pointed out to the Lake Nona development. They've repeatedly said this is an example, an example of economic vibrancy in Orlando, which suffered mightily during the pandemic. Noting that hotel chains and retailers are moving into the Lake Nona area in anticipation of Disney's arrival. The Orlando Business Journal in January called the complex a major economic driver for the region. In a statement, Larry, excuse me, Jerry L. Demings, the mayor of Orange County, which includes Orlando, said it was unfortunate that Disney canceled its plans. However, this is a strong statement. However, these are the consequences. When there isn't an inclusive and collaborative work environment between the state of Florida and the business community, end quote. Let's put them up. Who's a happy camper? This guy. What did the governor of California say? So Governor Gavin Newsom said, that's 2,000 plus jobs that will be welcomed back with open arms to the Golden State. He said this on Twitter, end quote. There it is. Was you already know what's happening. <laughs> the man overplayed his hand playing this political red meat to the base game. And literally it has had actual real consequence to the bottom line of Florida and to the citizens of his state because he decided to use them like a lab experiment. What are your thoughts? I think the worst part about this is nobody even remembers what this was originally over. Mm. What was the beef over? There was a trans character in one Disney property. We're talking about a company that puts out like, we'll probably put out like 100 things this year between the Disney Channel and Disney Plus and Marvel and Star Wars. Probably more, maybe more than 100, yeah. One character was like trans or something. And Ron DeSantis said, this is a company that's too woke. I need to attack them. And this has gone incredibly poorly for him. Um, This is not some company you can just bum rush or knock over. These people have ties, not just in the community, but obviously they are also politically connected. They do not need Ron DeSantis to function. And so they can bring their economic might wherever they want. They don't need to be in Florida. There's nothing especially special about Florida. (laughs) I know this might be news breaking or something, but there's nothing all that special about Florida. And yeah, they can put do stuff at Disneyland in California. Hell, they're rich enough, they can make a new Disney World in some other state with warm weather. This was always wrongheaded and stupid. And like I said to start, nobody even knows what it started over. I bet you none of the people whose vote Ron DeSantis is trying to court could even tell you why he's beefing with Disney. Just generally that they're too woke. That's exactly 
what they will say. And then when you ask, what does woke mean? They have zero idea. A few days ago, after a video went viral of a worker in a healthcare system, was back and forth, going back and forth with a young black male about a bike. We reported on it. There is an update. Now, I want to provide proper context to this update. Let me remind you of the video. Here it is. No, no, record it, record it, record it. Help me. Please help me. Please help me. Please help me. Please help me. Please, please, please. Yo, don't take it, bro. Now you're not getting the face, bro. It's his, it's his, it's his. I'm gonna ask him. It's his. 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 The hospital released a statement, they did put her on leave. The video was viewed more than 35 million times. The attorney is now saying the entire narrative was taken out of context. Let me provide to you the update and I will opine as well. So there's a new twist, should we say, in the viral city bike confrontation. That saw a New York City healthcare worker get into a heated argument with a group of young black men. Her lawyer said she did in fact, pay for the bike and has the receipts to prove it. The 90 second clip, which has been viewed more than 35 million times uh, since it was posted on May 13th shows this healthcare worker, uh, Sarah Comrie straddling the two wheeler as she argues with a man right next to her claiming is his. Help me, she says, please help me, she yells. She can be heard shouting loudly as the video starts. So while many blasted the hospital and blasted the hospital worker for potentially putting the young man's safety at risk, her lawyer said Thursday that the entire incident is being taken out of context and his client is being bombarded with threats. Every part of that story is incorrect, he said. Starting with my client is not a racist. Two. My client did not take anyone else's bike, said lawyer Justin Marino. He pointed to receipts Ms. Comrie provided that NBC New York examined. They show a rental for a bike 560-3915, which lasted just one minute. Freezing the now viral video, it shows that the code on the bike she and the other man are feuding about says 5603915. NBC New York did reach out to City Bike to confirm the rental. Um, and they would do this to make sure it's not some kind of phony receipt. And if anyone else reserved it around that time to see if there's possibly a good faith basis for both arguments. But the company did not respond immediately. The attorney said it's not possible for someone else to have a reservation for that same bike saying Comrie's receipt confirms the bike she was on was rented by her. The video ends 
with Ms. Comrie getting on another bike, which her lawyer has a receipt for as well, proving she rode that one home. The men in the video have not yet been identified. I do encourage them to be transparent about their particular point of view. The NYPD reiterated Thursday, there were no 911 calls. There was, there was no report of any incident. And if anyone believes they were in fact a victim, they should come forward to local authorities. So let me contextualize this properly, okay? Naturally, we reported on a viral video as the facts were presented at that time. By the time we reported on this video, well, there was no actual statement yet from the other side. The hospital had a statement at that time, and they were troubled by what they saw as well. So were we. Now, if if this is true, which confirmation is still pending, still trying to find the individuals who are part of this narrative on the other side. If it is true, it does prove, in my opinion, that Ms. Comrie had a good faith belief that she, in fact, had a right to the bike. But that doesn't mean the young men did not. It doesn't mean they did not have a good faith belief that the bike was not hers. That part of the story is important too. Yelling, help me, help me. When there's a conflict over a bicycle um, in the middle of the street and there's a young black male next to you, that could be a very dangerous situation for something that's basically a civil dispute. So while I will absolutely continue to update the story as the facts prevail, I will say there's a wisdom to being civil in all cases. To those who have been, um, let's say, threatening uh, to this young lady, I would never condone that under no circumstance at all. Physical violence is not your answer whatsoever. Any gains you make because of physical violence are not sustainable. Only the gains you make through righteous actions are. To the young men who are involved in this now very national narrative, according to the last report, they cannot be identified. Naturally, we know somebody knows who they are and they know who they are. If you feel as if it is necessary in order to place your side on the table and you are authentic about your belief that this was your bike, speak up. And to the company, the company, well, listen, at some point, naturally, you gotta provide the goods. The attorney is going on national news. He's saying that these confirmations are there. News outlets are reaching out. We do expect a full update as far as what actually transpired. And lastly, as I said before, her good faith belief does not negate their good faith belief that they were in the right to. All right, wise thoughts here. You know, this is a story that's near and dear to me as a native New Yorker. Uh, I try to tell people that there's a level of discernment that, that kind of comes with being a New Yorker, right? Mm -hmm. uh, you are interacting <laughs> and dealing with so many people every single day. You need to learn um, who's who and what's what. I think that's why there was such a viral nature of the Jordan Neely situation on the train where that young man was killed for basically no reason. Most New Yorkers can understand when somebody poses an actual threat and somebody who's just being loud. This lady, you know, being in the middle of the street, a crowded street, and saying, oh my God, help me. Nobody's falling for that.
<laughs> you know what I mean? For the most part, nobody's falling for that. So I'm glad everybody was able to get out of this unscathed because yes, there is a certain level of, you know, this could escalate quite quickly. But I think most New Yorkers take a pride in understanding um, the difference between your physical safety being at risk and, yeah. you know, people disputing over a goddamn city bike. Yeah. I mean, if somebody, hell, if I was walking by, my first inclination would have been, is she getting robbed? What's going on, right? That would have been my first thought. Like, what's happening over here? This is insane. What if I told you a dermatologist, let's put her up full mass, has been accused of poisoning her husband but is still practicing medicine despite being charged with multiple felonies. I've never seen anything like this. So a California dermatologist has now been accused officially of trying to poison her husband with Drano. She's still practicing. Her name is you, they call her Emily. Emily is continuing to practice after coming to an agreement with the California Department of Justice pending the outcome of the trial. Her license is stated as being renewed and current on the Medical Board of California's web, website with an expiration date of 2024. What kind of deal is this? Now, I, I need to, let me break it down plain Jane. The government charged her with trying to utilize a chemical substance to poison her husband. Then the government says, however, we're gonna make a deal with you. So while you are going to trial, we will in fact allow you to continue practicing practice medicine. What? I, I don't get that. Either you believe she did this thing or you do not. There's more. Uh, the victim, Jack Chen, 53, a radiologist, all right, handed over footage, footage of the 45 year old pouring the drain cleaner into his damn lemonade. This was at their California mansion, by the way. Allegedly, this caused him serious injuries. She pleaded not guilty to the four felony charges, including poisoning and domestic battery. Keep those pictures up. What other explanation would a dermatologist have pouring Drano in your beverage. Let's put up the incident report, we do have it. So you, Emily, was arrested on August 4th, but released on a $30,000 bail one day later. Chin issued a restraining order against her to keep their two children away after she was accused of trying to poison him with dangerous liquids three other times, three additional times. Incidents he claimed occurred on July 11th, July 18th, and July 25th. Her attorneys have now accused her husband of setting up you by placing nanny cams around their home, trying to gain the upper hand in the family courts amid their bitter divorce battle. Initially, her lawyers claimed 
She was only using the drain cleaner for its intended purpose and poured it into an empty cup to unclog a drain. But now they say that Chen told her to put Drano in the cup to kill ants and use the footage to spark a divorce filing. It gets even more complicated. Stephen Hittleman, Stephen Hittleman, a lawyer for Mr. Chen, claims he suffered swelling in his esophagus and stomach ulcers from drinking the spiked liquid. At a previous hearing, the court heard he spent weeks wondering what caused him to get sick, with his legal team releasing the footage of his wife from a hidden camera in their kitchen. Mr. Chen claims he was tortured by his wife regularly, telling a court that he denied her a massage as she stepped on his head until he did it. Court documents reveal he claims his wife's alleged rage and erratic behavior emerged early on, but he only became concerned after the children were born. There's actually more. Mr. Chen claims Emily and his mother-in-law, Yaquin Amy Gu, started abusing their children when they were as young as two years old. He claims the children were screamed at, slapped, insulted, deprived of sleep, locked in their rooms. You would allegedly commonly use a Chinese phrase towards the children that means go die. He said the children learn early on that Emily's rule is everything. Adding Emily's parenting, if you could call it that, revolves around yelling, insulting, verbally abusing, hitting, pushing, pulling, and being emotionally abusive. Chin said that you tried to turn the children against them, yelling at them if they told her, if they told her they enjoyed spending time with him until they assured her they would not show affection towards their father. Her next hearing will be July 27th, Orange County Superior Courthouse. Naturally, we will follow this. Back to the original dynamic that has everyone scratching their heads. Government charges you multiple felonies. These felonies are in fact connected to your industry in a significant way. You are supposed to help people, not harm them. You take an oath for that. This video is damning, obviously, the commentary makes it even more damning. And the defense seems at least, well, a little bit unfocused. Two different defense theories have been floated to the press. But why in the hell? Would a dermatologist have a license to practice with all of those felony charges? Wozni, I don't know what kind of attorney she has, <laughs> but brother, I have never seen the government do something like this. Prosecute you and give you a favor to continue practicing medicine or practicing your profession at the same time, never heard of it. Yeah, I mean, that's the scariest part of it is that somebody who has demonstrated a willingness to poison people would be allowed to practice any kind of care. You know, dermatology, some people might say, oh, it's not that important. You're just trying to have beautiful, silky, smooth skin. It's <laughs> 
it goes deeper than that for a yeah. lot of people, right? right? Um, that have stuff like alopecia or whatever the case may be. People suffer from all kinds of skin cancers, all kinds of stuff. Um, this field is not as, you know, uh cosmetic or right. vain as a lot of people might think, right? Uh it goes it's it's deeper than skin deep. Um, if you guys will forgive the pun. And so, you know, the idea that this woman could poison uh her husband or somebody close to her what 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 would she do to a stranger who got on her nerves you know um these are the kind of things we need to think about and again i i say that all the time up here i'm not an advocate for people getting fired right in america if you don't work you're pretty much done um if you right. don't have a job nobody's going to help you however um if you are in the medical industry and in your personal life, you are found to be poisoning people. Um, that's a different matter altogether. Yeah, and once again, this goes beyond mere allegation. She has been charged. She's been officially charged with these felonies. And there is video on record available to the public that seemingly fits the charges, right? Naturally, one would expect, and typically this is how it works, you suspend temporarily the opportunity to engage in a practice where public trust is required until the investigation or at least the case is adjudicated. That did not happen here, at least not yet. We'll continue to bring you updates as they come. We got more on the other side, it's indisputable, stick and stay. All right, welcome back, we got a lot of show left. Let me remind everyone, membership, all right, membership. We'd love for you to help us create more impact. TYT membership is not your typical subscription, but basic membership is still $4.99. So what do you get for that price? A whole lot. For starters, you're getting exclusive programming, unique exclusive designs from Shop TYT, and also access to a members only chat, giveaways, emojis, many other amazing perks. Most importantly, you have to make an impact even greater. Go to tyt.com forward slash impact to make that happen. tyt.com forward slash impact, all right? We can continue to accomplish, accomplish much together. All right, got something for you. Ladies and gentlemen, I wish a Karen would. You want to call the police on them for having a barbecue on a In Sunday? You're going to feel free! Back off! I'm going to tell them there's an African American man threatening my life. I'm so sorry, producers. I need to see that again. Can y'all do that for me? I know we on live TV, but can y'all just crank that thing back up for me? Push that button.
Um, that happened. Now, we don't know what transpired before this. That could have been a legitimate claim. Somebody didn't put on their blinker. But the yelling the N word while driving, not looking at the road because you're so racist, you have to just keep saying the N word to people who obviously are not going to bother you. And you crash your vehicle in the process, in the middle of being racist, sir. I think the Lord is trying to tell you something. All right, I don't have any updates on this story. Don't know um, too much about the information uh, as far as who the guy is. I did see one post that said, well, he's actually a pedophile. Well, I cannot independently confirm that. They did provide some detail uh, to this person. Uh, But we do know for sure he's racist. We know that, say the N word, I don't know how many times, what, 10? So the reality is this, road rage is a thing and road rage has led to the death of many people. Typically, it is not in this context and we have no information that he died, but he could have and he could have killed others in the process of being racist. Was it worth it? Was I don't understand that. I I, 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 I don't either, Uh, you know, Living here in Southern California, you have to drive a lot. You spend a lot of time in your car. Um, obviously, it's a lot of traffic, a lot of people in a rush. Every now and again, you might get cut off. I will confess, Dr. Richie, I've been known to cut a few people off myself. Um, but I've always adopted a sort of policy of if somebody pulls up to my window and is talking crazy, tunnel vision. I don't see you. You're talking to yourself. I'm. I'm not engaging with you in road rage. I'm not damaging my car. I'm not ruining my insurance premium. I'm not going to jail. I'm not gonna let you shoot me. I'm, I'm not doing any of that stuff. Um, and that's what I would encourage people to do. Uh, when, when folks like this man get all angry and worked up, let them do it by themselves. This guy almost crashed his nice little Jeep. You know, God only knows how much that's gonna cost to fix, all because of what? Somebody might have took a lane before you. Um, a lot of people, a lot of people have road rage tendencies, Dr. Richie. I wouldn't care. And there's people that's watching right now who flip people the bird and you know, they do all these kinds of things on the road. I tell them, stop. Just drive, get home safely, keep your loved ones safe in the car. Do not engage in this type of activity. Yeah, and if you listen to that video, you clearly hear the women, they are afraid. Oh, I, mean, I, I mean, it's scary. Yeah. Oh, goodness, yes. And they're saying call 911. Uh, you know, they were really terrified because we've seen stories like this end up with a white male drawing a gun and shooting and claiming, oh, I was in fear for my life and getting away with it. Double dose. You want to call the police on them for having a barbecue on a Sunday? You're still afraid. Back off! I'm going to tell them there's an African American man threatening my life.
Majority Taylor Green in her press conference this morning said something incredibly dangerous and incredibly reckless about me. I think there's a lot of concern about Jamal Bowman. So, and, and I am concerned about it. I feel threatened by him. This country has a history of characterizing black men who are outspoken, who stand their ground and who push back as being threatening or intimidating. Yelling, shouting, raising his voice. He has aggressive, uh, his physical mannerisms are aggressive. I never invaded her personal space and gregarious the entire time. How was that intimidating? So I, I am very concerned about Jamal Bowman and he's someone that people should watch. But she knows what she's doing when she does that. And unfortunately, white supremacists historically, this is what they do. Calling me a horrible, calling me a white supremacist, which I take great offense to, that is like calling a person of color the N-word, which should never happen. Calling me a white supremacist is equal to that. They try to dehumanize black people, black skin, and the black humanity so that they can be, you know, more likely to be targeted for harm. So she's not even using a dog whistle. She's using a bullhorn to put a target on my back to the people that she refers to as MAGA people out there who might want to cause harm. This is one of the reasons why Emmett Till was killed. And throughout history, black men have continued to be characterized as aggressive because one, because of our skin color, but two, because we happen to be outspoken and passionate about certain issues. What she said was racist. So I, I am very concerned about Jamal Bowman and he's someone that people should watch. <laughs> This is not the first time she has shown her Karenicity. As a matter of fact, um, I actually deemed her the first Karen in Congress, and I stand by those words. Here it is. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, I'm an American citizen. I pay your salary through the taxes that you collect from me through the IRS. And I do not support your socialist policies, and I do not support your murderous abortion policies. David, why are you supporting the red flag laws? If there had been, if Scott Peterson, the resource officer at Parkland had done his job, then Nicholas Cruz wouldn't have killed anybody in your high school, or at least protected them. I'll give you a copy, I'll give you a copy of the proposal. So you need to stop being a baby and stop locking your door and come out and face the American citizens that you serve. If you wanna be a big girl, you need to get rid of your diaper and come out and be able to talk to the American citizens. I have a concealed carry permit. I carry a gun with, for protection for myself and you are using your lobby and the money behind it and the kids to try to take away my second amendment rights. You don't have anything to say for yourself? That means Congress doesn't vote. Well, I'm glad to see it. Wow, okay. Let's do this, put her up for a mass. Marjorie Taylor Greene, first Karen to become a United States Congresswoman. This is the same person who keynoted a white nationalist rally organized by Nick Fuentes, a proud white nationalist. She says she takes great offense to being called a white supremacist. Well, madam, I agree with you if the word offense means pride. Also, the Mischaracterization and the narrative is intentional. What she's doing is restricting the mobility of the messaging by saying that the messenger is problematic himself. 
while the only person who has acted in a manner that we would consider thuggish is her. The only person who has engaged in seemingly criminal conduct from January 6th, the protection thereof and actions afterwards is her. She gets the benefit of not having to be held accountable to truth while our dear brother has to literally provide context so that he doesn't get caught up in her lie. What was the last time Marge Taylor Green explained something? Hmm? All right, wise thoughts. Oh my goodness. Um hearing this lady say that this 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 black guy needs to he needs to be watched, hmm. he needs to be monitored. Um this is this is something that 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 people need to be paying close attention to as if he's not a distinguished US congressman and you know the the difference is this guy comports himself as somebody who has respect for the office um yeah. somebody who's a representative of the people um and what he was doing in that clip that you guys showed he was engaging and spirited debate. That that's what conservatives claim they want. Oh, we want ideas to be expressed freely. We want everybody to be able to say whatever they want. Why can't Jamal Bowman express his disagreements with her? We saw what she did um to the to the kid from Parkland and you know, she's harassing Alexandria Ocasio um uh Cortez Ocasio. Like that's what you do. Jamal Bowman was responding in kind. And her response, of course, is to cast him in the light of that of a threatening, you know, black criminal, if you will. It's it's not all that surprising because her her past sort of dictates that she would do this. But my yeah. goodness, man, this is cartoonish Karenicity. She literally walks up to professionals and says, I have a gun. Imagine if Representative Bowman walked up to someone and said, hey, I have a gun. All right, we got more on the other side. It's indisputable, stick and stay. All right, welcome back. We have a lot of show left. Let me count the ways, all right. Progress report. If you haven't already subscribed, we would like you to do so now. TYT weekday morning newsletter, The Progress Report. Every morning, we give you the best progressive news, analysis, and reporting. Scan the QR code or go to tyt.com forward slash newsletter to sign up. Okay. Who we got? The architect. All the self own is strong with that one. Yep, talking about the male Karen. Lynn says, if Marge is saying the N word instead of the actual word shows that it is not equal to say white supremacist where she uses the whole term, that part. If it's equal, go ahead and say it, Marge. All right. I guarantee you she says it when the camera's not on. Promise you that. All right, Looney Tunes 9000. I guess Karen won't learn how to stop speeding and being racist. Yep. But at the same time, you know, it's dangerous. C. Michael Henson, thank you, C. Michael. Don't care in the drive. Uh, Iris Jones, thank you, Miss Iris. Instant 
karma carried. I mean, that thing was fast. Like, whoa. And then the ladies were concerned about him. They were like, oh my God, oh my God. I would have been like, oh well. <laughs> All right. We have an indisputable exclusive. No other news agency has this. Medical abuse, neglect, Alabama prisons. Here's the video. Come on, man. I don't know. I woke up like this. My lip, no, like my lips, yeah, my lips are small, man. I can't, I can't get nobody to check up on it. It is hurt. It hurt. Yeah. I don't know what else to do. They, they dislike me because I got this colostomy bag. And look at the bag, it coming off me. The bag coming off me, man. I need help, man. You got a skin problem, and it's causing great irritation, and you saying you ain't getting treated for it. Can I see your legs? Yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. And this stuff is so miserable. I mean, yes, it's a bad, bad skin. It itches, man. It itches very. I know y'all see where I'm. Can I see your other leg? Man, and they are not really just giving you no treatment. This can be treatable. Yeah, I've had it, I've had this cleared up three, three times already. I've been to Vendor's Correctional Facility in November 2022. Stabbed in the face January the 20th morning at 4.30 in the right eye. I lost my sight in my right eye. There's actually more. Here it is. And from my understanding, Steve, you had a real complex major surgery um, that required to have eight pins placed in your 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 like the neck area on down. Well, that's eleven screws. Oh, eleven screws. One of the pins had came loose. Right. Uh, one came loose. He said in the T1 vertebrae. Really, uh, a crippling numbness from the waist up. All the way to my fingertips, shoulders, arms, neck. I think that's because my surgery cost so much the first time that they're reluctant to, uh, yes. to have another surgery. Can we see it if you don't mind? Yes, sir. C2 D2. And I know the cut is right by the neck. Right. Wow. So it can be clear and cured up, but uh, you still having the issue now that you're incarcerated and you're trying to get the medical staff here at Eastern Correctional Facility to cure it up, right? right? Okay, let us see what. Okay. Hold on, hold on. You got to keep it right here. Uh uh. Just turn it, turn your head well. We can see. Okay, that's what infection that. Okay. And you drip it on those spots where you're having psoriasis. They see it. And you dripping on those spots where they have a psoriasis, you saying it clears it up. Yeah, almost instantly. Instantly. And if the DOC choose to, to provide that medication, then you won't have skin irritation. Nope, not at all. Alabama Department of Corrections. We have tangled with this organization before. We were able to successfully get individuals moved to proper medical facilities. When I investigated the stories then, I was told clearly there's a lot more. Today we have more documented evidence. Let's put up the picture full mask, right? Once again, Alabama, we've all heard 
the nightmare prison stories. But life behind bars within the Alabama Department of Corrections is so horrific. Even the US Department of Justice is taking legal action. Several inmates have tried to be a voice to the vulnerable, including Mr. Bernard Jemison, who recorded those shocking videos, giving us a glimpse into some of what inmates are facing, the incarcerated souls who are there still deserve to be taken care of based on the rule and the law. Thanks to a close friend of his, Jeanette Jones, we were able to receive this information. Alabama DOC facilities have allegedly been under scrutiny for a host of reasons, including medical neglect, inmate assaults by staff, uninhabitable living conditions, countless overdoses, suicides, violence, and unexplained deaths with family not finding out right away or even giving truthful answers as to how the loved one died. That's coming from family members. However, Jemison has set aside his fear of retaliation to expose the harsh realities behind bars in hopes of positive change. He's been placed in and out of segregation numerous times for calling attention to neglect and even gone on hunger strikes as a way to combat the cruelty. He's currently held at Ventress Correctional Facility in Clayton, Alabama. It is ran by Warden Karen Williams. When we reached out to Warden Williams for comment of this matter, she hung up the phone on our producer. And Hunter is a remarkable person. In 2022, Bernard was at Easterling DOC and began recording the neglect and the misconduct that was taking place from April 2022 to September 26, 2022. Upon arriving at Ventures DOC, Bernard had no intentions of standing by and witnessing the medical neglect and abuse of his fellow inmates, his fellow cellmates. He continued to record them, record those that weren't being treated medically as they should have and needed to be. And they were being assaulted. They were being assaulted by others including those who are incarcerated and or staff with absolutely no recourse to the offender. Bernard began recording again, April 2023. And through outside sources was able to share this information with social media. Let me give you the other instances of neglect. There was a case of major medical negligence that resulted in the death of a 64 year old man known as Demarcus Williams, according to Fellow individuals aside, Williams had been to the infirmary twice, struggling to breathe. And the sweating was profuse. Each time staff sent him back to a cell, as they quite often do. Bernard took Williams back to the infirmary for a third time. This time, this time he died. He died an hour and a half later. He went twice, nothing happened, they go back, now he's dead. This is where the disdain for Bernard began at Ventress facility. Since then, there's been countless inmates. There have been countless inmates with medical conditions that have gone completely untreated. You saw it documented right there. There is an older gentleman named Willie David Lee. Willie David Lee is actually wheelchair bound, he has no legs. He can no longer use his arms, he can no longer use his hands. He was recently denied compassionate release 
by the Board of Parole and Pardons. As, as I just said, he can't use any of his limbs. They stated that he is a menace to society still. The nurses refused to change his diapers. The nurses refused to clean him. Instead is, once again, fellow inmates. They help him and they have to feed him themselves. Let's put up the suit. With all of the alleged negligence and mistreatment mounting against them, it's no wonder that the United States Department of Justice is suing the entire Alabama DOC. We reached out to the DOJ who said they had no comment on pending litigation. Their website, however, contains litigation documents dating back to 2019, including a report to Alabama Governor Kay Ivey detailing an investigation done by the Civil Rights Division of the US Attorney's Office in where? Alabama. And I will say this, there is one US Senator who has been leading a fight like no other to ensure the civil rights of those who are incarcerated are respected. And that is Senator John Ossoff. As a matter of fact, it was Senator Ossoff who led the investigation into multiple, multiple prisons throughout the United States. It is Senator Ossoff who had words directly against the individual in charge of the prison bureau. It is Senator Ossoff who provided those investigations directly to the DOJ. There's more. According to Ms. Jones, it's time for prison reform and the dire need for external prison oversight to ensure the safety of inmates and staff. Quality of care being given, ensuring there is accountability and reprimand of staff misconduct. Review of all cameras on a monthly basis by an oversight team and ensuring proper protocols are being followed. Inmates lives matter too. This us and them dynamic associated with individuals who are temporarily incarcerated and the rest of the world has to stop. All right, these are human beings. These are human beings paying a debt to society. They have not lost their dignity, or at least they should not have their dignity snatched away. I know some will say, well, Doc, why do you care? These individuals are bad people and society has judged them to be criminals. Okay, that's your take. You think somehow they forfeited their humanity because they were incarcerated or maybe a drug offense, a car accident and they were drinking, vehicle homicide? You see, They're going to come back home. And the reality is they're no different than us. They're just in a different location, but they're still human. And according to the law and constitution, they are supposed to be treated as such. My producer Hunter did a great job producing and getting the details of this story. We're gonna continue to follow it because I'm sure there will be a response after today. Wasney thoughts. I think what folks gotta understand is that we've created a society where it's possible, it's not at all impossible for individuals to fall through the cracks. I think incarcerated people are folks, and and I'm talking about even the worst of them, are folks who fell through the cracks. <coughs> Excuse me, and they're paying the ultimate price for that. Um, And as you said, uh, we don't get to treat these people as if they're no longer human beings because 
they've committed crimes. Um, they're paying their debt to, uh, to society. Uh, they're being held accountable. Um, and that's their part, right? Like you did the crime, you do the time. But in the meantime, like as a as a people, um, I think we should be invested in the well-being of these folks. Cause I think especially around the world, uh, America likes to sort of bandy about their record on human rights and um, civil rights and all of this kind of stuff. But how you treat these people, I think is the ultimate judgment of our character as a country and a society. And yeah, uh, the idea that these guys don't deserve basic medical um, you know, benefits uh, is absurd. Uh, even the worst criminal deserves to be, <laughs> deserves medical treatment and um, yeah, man, this is this is sad, but and and the and part of the the sadness about it is these folks are voiceless. Yeah. Um, they don't have a group of they they they're not well connected. They don't have a group of people who are looking out for their interests. And the average Joe has so many things to think about yeah. um, and worry about. The last thing they're going to be worried about is how criminals get treated in the penal system. Um, and so I'm happy you guys are doing this story and bringing light, and hopefully these guys can. Get the basic care um, that they need. People got to be held accountable. You cannot call yourself an accountability facility while breaking all known accountability rules for yourself. All right, we got more on the other side. It's indisputable. Stick and stay. All right, welcome back. We have a lot of show left. We have a video. Uh, cops confronting New Mexico shooter. Here it is. Tonight in Farmington, New Mexico, new police body camera footage capturing the harrowing moment. America's latest teenage mass shooter was shot dead by police. In the footage released by police late Thursday, you see the officers running toward danger. More shots are being fired. Neighbors guiding them to the attacker. I see him. Get behind the car, sir. Another sergeant's camera records her being shot in a hail of gunfire. Where's your tourniquet? Two officers were among the seven injured, all now released from the hospital. We're securing! This was the climax of 18-year-old Bo Wilson's deadly rampage through his own neighborhood. Police say 97-year-old Gwendolyn Schofield and her 73-year-old daughter Melody died trying to save 79-year-old Shirley Voita, also killed. The day before his high school graduation, police say Wilson, armed with three different guns and having access to more than 1,400 rounds of ammunition, began firing an AR-15 assault rifle from his home. He fired more than 140 bullets before dropping the AR-15 and moving down the block, firing at random homes and cars. He is yelling on the ring footage. Um, come kill me. Police say Wilson was initially wearing a bulletproof vest modified to include steel plates before taking it off for his last stand with police. The motive remains unclear. Their only clue, this chilling note found on his body saying, I'm at the end of the chapter. So sad. Let's put up the picture for a mask. AR-15 in the hands of someone who really relatively is untrained. He has access 
legally has access and proceeds to shoot and kill people with the might of a small army. He's one man, he's one person. It took damn near an entire police force to take him down because of his access to the kind of weaponry that law enforcement and the military would typically have. The shooter, Bolt Wilson, <clears throat> lived with his father in a home that contained an arsenal, an entire arsenal of weapons. It also contained a lot of ammunition, apparently legally owned all of it. According to law enforcement authorities, he bought an assault style rifle last year when he turned 18. Now, let me stop on that point just quickly. You have Republican states, Texas is one of them. They are starting to raise the age to 21 rather than 18. Now, why are they doing this? You know, that's technically gun reform. They're doing it because they realize the danger it has presented in their state, guns, guns, guns. But when they pass these bills, they try to contextualize it outside of the arena of gun control. But they're raising the ages in order to control who can buy a gun at a particular age. Something that we've been saying for decades on the left. There's more. Police were probing for motive. Motivations behind Monday's rampage, which took place the day before Wilson was due to graduate from high school. Amid some indications from relatives of a prior mental health issue. Efforts were underway by authorities to access medical and school records that may, might possibly shed light on his mental history. Even if they do find information that conclusively says, hey, the kid was disturbed. Once again, that doesn't happen unless, I'm talking about the scene you just saw, that doesn't happen unless you have access to <laughs> guns and ammunition. You can't do that much damage unless you have access to guns and massive ammunition. The at least six other people, six other people were wounded in the shootings. This sent waves of grief ripping, ripping through the community of 50,000 people. They include two police officers who had been released from medical care as they recovered. The, the officers, they actually engaged heroically. They ran toward the gunfire. They got shot in the process and their actions likely saved the lives of others in that neighborhood. But once again, to the police officers, you know who put you in this situation in addition to that gunman? Our policies in America did, don't forget that. Wasney thoughts. Yeah, this is, it's upsetting cuz this is clearly a deeply disturbed young man um, who's going through things, <laughs> you don't wake up one day and decide you're gonna grab an automatic weapon and just start randomly and indiscriminately shooting at your freaking neighbors. <laughs> That's the craziest part, this guy was in his own neighborhood. You would hope that there's some sense of community there that you would feel like you know, you're, you're, you're one with these people and that you would feel the need to protect them, especially older women. But man, um, this is just a sad story and it just speaks to, 
how lawless things are around guns. Um, yeah. There's no standard, there's no regulation. There's there's no safeguarding people from this stuff. And so long as we decide that we wanna flood the society with weapons, there are going to be these random occurrences of people who are just not having a great day. Um, and you know, rest in peace to those those women who lost their lives. It's actually a minor miracle that it was only three people. Um, yeah. That's it's crazy. So sad to contextualize it that way, but in contrast, you are correct. All right, what if I told you a medical doctor decided to intentionally drive his entire family off of a cliff? Succeeded in doing so, but they survived. Let's put up the picture of the family full mass. Hell of a story, radiologist Darmish Patel's wife, Neha, told authorities he was depressed and drove off on purpose after their Tesla plunged 300 and 30 feet off Devil's Slide in San Mateo County, California. This was in January, put up the pictures. His wife, Neat Mattel, spoke to authorities just following the incident stating, he drove off, he's depressed, he's a doctor. He said he was going to drive off the cliff. He drove off on purpose. She told the paramedic that Patel was trying to kill them all, according to the documents. She said this approximately three times, the paramedic added. Miraculously, all of them survived. The two young children were seven and four years old at the time. Firefighters had to um, repel the, uh, to the scene uh, to get the family. They literally had to go down, you see the imagery, and helicopters were called to hoist them to safety. Patel's wife was hospitalized in critical condition, was in the hospital over a month, but she was released to an outside treatment facility. Their daughter sustained a broken hand. Their son had a wound to the back of his head, but they all lived. A morbid reaction to depression seems to be a probable catalyst. When investigators asked Patel whether he was depressed, he responded, not really. But he said he was feeling down about the war and drugs and crazy stuff. The filing said officers spoke with Patel's family. His sister said she spoke with Patel the previous night and recalled that he was sad about the war and other things occurring in the news. He said he was worried about the future of his children due to everything going on in the world, she said. That's according to documents. And now the case nears its conclusion. A professor of mechanical engineering said their survival was a kind of a miracle considering the impact severity. Patel is due back in court June 12th for a preliminary hearing. Two of the three attempted murder charges, including special allegations of domestic violence and intent to cause great bodily injury. At the hearing, a judge would determine whether the prosecution evidence support the charges for attempted murder. And I do believe those charges will be substantiated because the idea about a mental health defense is not if you were experiencing a mental health issue, but in the moment, did you know the difference between right and wrong? All right, wise thoughts here. Again, just 
just sadness, man. Uh, people seem to be going through it out there. Uh, this guy wanting to do this to his own family, it, it's unspeakable. Obviously, you and I both have loved ones that we are extremely close to, and we have the opposite instinct, right? It's yeah. like, how do I shield these folks from harm? Um, the idea that this guy, successful guy, you know, this isn't somebody who's struggling with paying their bills or being able to support themselves and their family that you could be a successful guy and still be feeling these things inside man kind of makes you grateful um when you are somebody who feels relatively happy and can enjoy your time here with others yeah well said was well, always a pleasure tell people they can follow you check out your great work of course, it's the NBA playoffs. So if you have even a passing interest in NBA basketball, follow up what we're doing at the ringer.com, ringer NBA show, obviously the Bill Simmons show, which I'm often a guest. And um, if you have an appetite for politics, which I know the TYT audience does, um, please listen to the Woke Bros. We come out every single Friday, me and my co-host Nando Vila. Always great content. Thank you, my dear brother. We got more, bullpen is next. Stick and stay. Let's get it. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the bullpen. In the bullpen today, we have Mr. Samuel Mangle Lynette, commentator, Young Voices, and also is a staff editor at The Federalist. We will not hold that against them here. Samuel, good day, welcome. Thanks, happy to be All here. All right, happy to have you. Uh, we're going to chop it up about the current uh, committee hearings, January 6th, Jim Jordan. I don't know what you uh, feel about these particular hearings and the commentary that's coming from members of our government. Um, but I would like your opinion and then I will opine. Yeah, so personally, I think the greatest good that's coming out of these hearings right now, and you can really tie this in with the recent Durham report release, is that we're really seeing how deeply entrenched the managerial elite is within the federal government and how we're seeing it's weaponized against, I mean, right now we're seeing how it's weaponized against specifically uh, Republicans and conservative Americans, but how it has the utility to be weaponized against all Americans, how deeply pernicious this threat is to the American experiment. And I think that's what it ought to be the greatest takeaway and how politicized the FBI is at this current moment. You know, you said two things that strike me. You said how politicized they are at this current moment. Uh, and you also said has the potential, right, to basically be adversarial to other groups, other people. Mm -hmm. Am I correct on that assessment? I mean, yeah, it is, it blatantly is adversarial at this current moment. And I think it has been throughout its history as well. Well, that's the thing. When you say potentially can be utilized in adverse ways against other communities, I, I want you to remember, we've been telling you all this about the police in all permeations, federal and local, for a very long time. As a matter of fact, in the 60s, it was the FBI who investigated wrongfully, illegally, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Put him under surveillance, accused him of being a communist terrorist and saying that he was basically Number one threat, threat number one to the United States of America. So we've been saying this, and this is the disconnect, dear brother, between the narratives. We have literally been telling you all, get on our side with this so that we can make law enforcement better for everybody. 
That's what we've been saying. You all did not agree based on statistical data, commentary, studies that were done. For the most part, those on the right believed the police could do no wrong. And those on the left always had a healthy, a very healthy objective view of police and policing tactics. So now the chicken has come home to roost. And the FBI has all of a sudden become adversarial to conservative movements. I will say this for the record. Evidence has also been presented that there are many members of the FBI who are 100% pro-conservative. And there are those who are not. They have both expressed their political beliefs in the context of their profession, which should not be, especially when it comes to an exacting policy or a decision that's being made. So I agree with you on that point. But at the end of this hearing, the idea is to understand what really transpired, what really happened. You're not suggesting at all that the violence did not occur, that individuals were not animated to commit violence against the United States government. That's not what you're presenting here, correct? I don't think that's really the major issue at play in this current instance. And I would just like to push back against what you said. Why do you say that? Said. I'm sorry? Why do you say you don't think that's that's important here? It's called, it's a January 6th committee. Well, it's the, it's the House Subcommittee on the Weaponization of the Federal Government. Yeah, the January 6th committee about, has been dissolved. Well, the January 6th committee was invested investigatory. So you're correct on that point. This committee that's being ran by Jim Jordan, contextualizes all of the information through what happened leading up to and on the day of and after January 6th. So you can't talk, you can't say this is not important. It's actually the key focus of the entire question and answer phase. Well, I didn't say it wasn't important. I said it's not the key issue I play right now. What we need to focus on right now is the is the uh, the weaponization of the federal government. And we can see that I was a big factor at play in January 6th. But I want to push explain back against that. what you said a okay, little bit go, ago. Go, go ahead and push back and then explain that comment when you said it was, uh, th- this was an issue uh, beyond that. So go ahead, go ahead and push okay. back and then we'll get uh, to that. What you said about the, the um, how the, the, um, the chickens come home to roost. Yeah. Aside from, sure, they're, they're, whether or not we wanna have a debate on about you know, uh, historical wrongdoings about law enforcement or not, that's a whole separate conversation at play. Wow, the fact of the matter how is, is that, wait a minute brother, how is that a whole separate conversation? You're talking about the weaponization of police forces against communities that should not deserve it. So how is that different when those that weaponization was against black civil rights leaders in this country? How is that? So different? I'm gonna I'm gonna finish my point. Um, yeah, I understand that, and I'm gonna make mine. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so at the issue at play is instead of moving forward in a you know bipartisan manner or in a way that is united as the United States, it is blatantly being weaponized in a political manner. And sure. We can have the conversation about how historically law enforcement was used in biased ways. That is a separate conversation. But in this current moment, it is being leveraged gleefully with political bias. And that needs to be addressed if we are going to have a republic. If it is, if, if one side is going to brandish raw political, raw bureaucratic and deeply entrenched bureaucratic power that is unaccountable to the electorate, you cannot have a republic, let alone a Civilization, it's just not attainable, you can't do it. It's not sustainable in any form. Do you believe the FBI was weaponized against black people for decades in this country? I, I do believe the FBI has been weaponized in unfair ways against all Americans. I, I do not trust the intelligence apparatus in any capacity whatsoever. I think that's the case, I think most Americans increasingly believe that. 
94% of Americans agree that police reform on some level is necessary. It's actually one of the very few items that Republicans, Democrats, independents, even libertarians agree on with the majority consensus. The reason why there's this disconnect is because we've been shouting for a very long time. We have to check these elements within the policy and protocol of policing, which includes federal policing as well, i.e. the FBI. But let's go back to a dynamic of January 6th. The reason why this whole thing is even being discussed is because of January 6th. That is basically a catalyst. Now you have some different permeations of this, but you do. I want you to clearly tell us, you do know that the individuals who committed that attack on the Capitol, that they were in fact being lawless and not patriots. Can we at least establish that? I mean, I'll disavow, I don't agree with riots in any capacity whatsoever, but I will disavow the, you know, the Fed's direction. At the same time, people are willing to fully disavow the, the summer of love, the violence that occurred throughout the country in 2020. It's, it's unfair to brandish January 6th against red America when 2020 happened and there are, there's very little accountability whatsoever in that instance. Yeah, so, so unfortunately I have, there's another show coming right after mine. So I, I don't have ample time. So let me just pose it again. Do you clearly say January 6th was in fact an attack against the nation? End quote. Can you do that? I don't agree with, I don't, I reject this premise and I don't agree with putting people in situations like this. Uh, I appreciate the opportunity to be on the show. And you don't, you don't agree. You, you're a track star, you run it? I'm sorry, I didn't hear the, didn't are, hear the question. Are, are you a track star? Do you run track, sir? Are you running? Because you no, don't want to ask You said you're running out of time. Yeah, but I still pose the question. And I, I said I reject the premise. I think this is arguing in bad faith. An argument in bad faith because I asked you about a terrorist attack. It wasn't, uh, that was not a terrorist attack. What's the definition if, 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 you, of if you can disavow the summer what? of love, the BLM riots in 2020. Yeah, anybody, anybody who riots, yeah, anybody who, who does riots, sir, riotous behavior will never create sustainable mm-hmm. outcomes. So, see, I don't run. Right. Now, and like I to said, the question prior that to I pose to I you, don't agree with the you, riot that occurred. Do you believe, okay, so you do believe it was a riot at the Capitol, correct? I mean, that, that's the official narrative. That's what a lot of people- What about, say. what do you believe, sir? This is simple. You got answers for everything else but that? I, I've given you this answer multiple times. Was it a terrorist attack? Was it a riot? What say you clearly, before I it, let you go? That, that was not a terrorist attack. I think anyone in good faith would say it was not a terrorist attack. What was it? You can call it a riot. I think that's pretty reasonable. What do you, what do you okay, that's reasonable. All right, what's the definition of terrorism? I mean, I don't have a dictionary in front of me. But I think it's fair to say that terrorism is uh, violence to elicit political means. That's correct. On January 6th, that was violence to elicit a political goal. And what about the summer of 2020? What about that? Sir, January 6th was a terrorist attack, correct? Based on your definition. Again, argument in bad faith, gotta reject the premise. Appreciate you having me on. You sound like a damn robot. I appreciate you being on the show, sir. All right, thank you. Okay, remember, take care of yourself, take care of each other, take care of the planet. Remember, the truth is always indisputable.